Bueno, muy buenos días a todos mis hermanos en el nombre de... Oh, I, oh I'm sorry. I, English, right? Just flew in from Dominican Republic last week and uh, actually last night. And I think I'm tired of speaking Spanish. <laughs> uh, had a wonderful time in Dominican Republic. Flew out last Sunday, flew in last night, so it's been kind of a whirlwind. I, as I tend to do, packed out my time there beyond what I should, but trying to pack it all in. Had some excellent time teaching in a, in a school, a, Dominic, a school for discipleship training school. Had 19 students, just a wonderful time investing in some young people hungry for the word of God, hungry to figure out what God's doing with their lives. Had a great time. Also got my house back on the market and some other things that were, need to happen down there. So it was a whirlwind week, but it's great to be home. It's always good to be back home. And before we start today, I want to say tonight at 6.30, we're going to have an information meeting for the family, for everybody who's interested. And I want to encourage you to be there. We're going to try to keep it to an hour, just 6.30 to 7.30. And to me, it's important that we as a family are moving in the same direction. We understand what God's doing, and we understand the programs and the things going on. It's going to be a lot of information, but come be with us. Don't want you to be left on the side. So I didn't know about that. Well, I didn't know I could be a part of that. Or I wasn't sure what God was doing. Come be a part of us tonight, 6.30 to 7.30. We do this every three, four, five months. Tonight's the night, okay? 6.30. Let's pray as we get rolling. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the messages you have for us, for the things that you want to speak to our hearts as part of this church. Be with us this morning, God. Open our hearts. Make us good soil to receive what you have for us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. November, we have set aside as a month of hot topics. Topics that are controversial, topics that can be difficult. But I believe that as followers of the good book, followers of the word of God, that the truth never needs to hide, right? Deception finds itself in the shadows, but the word of God can stand tall. It's not afraid of hard questions. It's not afraid of controversy. And we find our answers in the word of God. So we, a couple weeks ago, talked on the reality of hell. First time I preached on that topic ever. And found that to be a challenging topic, but important for us. Jesus spoke a lot about hell. And it's important for us as we, as believers have found faith and salvation in Christ that we also keep in mind the horrible realities of hell. And last week we talked about the defense of the unborn, another topic that's very challenging, about the abortion in America and what's going on and how we can, with compassion, with kindness, with intelligence, how we can take a stand and speak for those who have no voice. But we also always want to do that with kindness and compassion for those who have been involved in and have suffered abortions themselves. So this morning is a topic more for Christians, but a topic, a question I've heard all the time. The question is, how can you know God's will for your life? Are you walking in God's will today? Is your life what God wants it to be? Are you walking in the will of God? Is your place, your profession... Your school is it God's will. And, you know, if we're honest, it's tough to know that sometimes. And I want to talk about how you can know 
the will of God. So Romans 12, verse 2, if you open your Bibles, your telephones, your tablets, whatever you got, let's open the word of God this morning to Romans 12, verse 2. And I read, do not be conformed to this present world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may test and approve what is the will of God, what is a good and well-pleasing and perfect will of God. The will of God. A number of weeks ago, we had visiting here Pastor Rich Gow, good friend and a brother. He'd been pastor of this church, and he, he preached off of this verse, Romans 12, 2. And he talked about how there's a battle. We're talking about being transformed, not being conformed to the world, but be transformed by the will of God. So first thing it's important to know, just going back to his message, that there is a battle for your mind. There is a battle for your soul. And if you don't realize it, you're probably going to lose. If you go to war and you don't realize you're in war, sooner or later somebody's going to pick you off. So there is a battle for your mind. And let's just state it really clearly. The world is not pro-Jesus. The world is not pro the word of God. Maybe it was more so in days past, but it is not. We live in a world today that does not honor the word of God, that does not see Jesus as the only way of salvation, and is not leading us in the ways towards what God would have for us. That is the world. And not only are they not taking us in that direction with everything around us, but they want you to be conformed. You know, we say things like we, we want to be free thinkers, independent thinkers, as long as you act and think exactly like we want you to. So the world wants us to conform, and those who do not conform to the world have issues like us. The question is, what do you do? We live in this world. How can we live in this world, work in this world, be lights in this world, not be conformed to the ways of the world? And Romans 12, 2 just says it very succinctly, by the renewing of our minds. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. How do we renew our minds? And I, I keep going back to the word of God. I talk to my children. I talk to these students. I go, you, you can't just figure it out by what you're thinking in your mind without the word of God being a part of your life. We can never get away from this. We can never stop reading. I love our quiz team. They're memorizing the word of God. They may do it to win a competition on Saturday. But the word of God drops deep into their heart. We need to be people of the word of God that continually go back and say, what did God speak to us through his word? And as we do that in times of worship, in looking at the word, putting Christian music in our cars, in our homes, God, bit by bit, is renewing and restoring our minds. But the second part of this verse is extremely important as well. We want to be not conformed to the world, but transformed. But it says here, so that, so that, in order that, why are we being transformed? So that you may test and approve what is the will of God, what is the good and well-pleasing and perfect will of God. So we can test and approve what is the will of God. I'll ask this, how many of you would like to live according to the will of God in your life? Well, how do you know that? How do you know if you are? How do you know what that is for your life? So I've entitled this message, 
listen up or listen up. How do we learn to listen to the Lord? How can you know the will of God for your life? So we ask questions like, well, what car should I buy? Should I buy this house or that house? Who should I marry? Is there just one person that God selected for me? Or should I say, should I stay single all my life? Maybe Paul said it's better to be single. Maybe I should do that. Or if you're married, say, well, should we have children? Should we have more children? How many children should we have? Oh, God, help us. Those are major decisions. Where should I go to college? Should I go to college? Should I step into massive debt to go to college? People say, well, the word of God, I mean, there's different ways to look at this, right? Should I be a doctor or a businessman? I remember in college, it came to that point where by Thursday at 3 o'clock, you had to register for your junior year. I'd done all my general ed and had to decide by 3 o'clock today that I want to be a doctor or a businessman. And it was like 2.30 in the afternoon. And I thought, this isn't fair. How can some young guys trying to figure out the world decide the rest of his life in these next 30 minutes? I don't know why I signed up for something, and then I went to my room and cried. Literally. Just like, God, I don't know. And my whole life, I felt like I was deciding my whole life right there. Of course, you know, there's... There's ways to change your mind and change directions, but not without a lot of cost. And I had to try to decide God's will for my life. It's not easy. And I ask the question then, is there a right answer? Is there a right answer and a wrong answer for each of these questions? I go back to Romans 12 too. Don't be conformed to the present world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that, say so that, so that, or in order that you may test and approve what's the will of God, what's good and well-pleasing and the perfect will of God. Good, well-pleasing, and perfect. Are there three wills of God? Is there a good plan and a well-pleasing plan and then a perfect plan of God? I've heard people preach on that. Maybe there's like a good plan. You know, it's like, it's like not so bad. There's a good plan. You know, God's okay with it. You're not really tracking, but it's not really all that awful. And we'll call that the good will of God. And the well-pleasing plan, which is better. You're getting closer. It makes God smile. There's the well-pleasing plan. And then there's the perfect plan. Bullseye. You got it right? 100 points. I don't think so. I don't think there are three different wills of God. It's kind of like if I'm describing my wife, I might say, oh, she's beautiful, she's intelligent, she's very kind. We say, well, which one is she? You know, well, she's, she's all of these things. And I think God is talking about different aspects of his will for us. God's, the will of God is good. It's important to realize that. God's will for you is good. I didn't say easy, but it's good. And we have, to, we have to grab that in our hearts because God has good things for his children. The will of God is good for us. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare 
not for evil, and to give you a future and a hope. God has good things for his children. And if we don't realize that, then when we're thinking about maybe God reveals his plan for us, but we go, well, yeah, I don't know if I want to do that. I don't know what, that, what that's going to result in my life, and maybe it won't be good for me. The will of God is good for your life. Well-pleasing. When you're walking with God's will, there's a peace that you carry. There's a pleasure and a peace for you and for the Lord. This week, I spent the week in Dominican Republic. I forget how bad the traffic is. I forget how crazy it just, I mean, it's, and they all say it's worse. It probably is, but just the five cars and freeways and, and there's no lines and the traffic and there's dogs crossing and people, and I'm like, I forgot how insane this traffic is. And I drove that all week and I thought, you know what? Even with the chaos, I knew that I was in the right place that week. I knew that God had called me to take this trip. I was convinced I was walking in his will. And there's a peace and a contentment when one is, to the best of their ability, walking in the will of the Lord. It's well-pleasing. And then it's perfect. When I think of the word perfect, I just mean it just, it's custom-made. It's important to also realize that the will of God for you is custom-made. So for you, it's not the same as for you. As for you. We look around, but, but this guy's doing that. This guy's pastoring. Shouldn't I be a pastor? No. Not if that's what God's calling you to do. Yeah, but this guy's got this. And we look around so much and we compare ourselves to people around ourselves. But the will of God is perfect for you. And that's going to look different. That'll be a different expression of where you live and what you do and how you walk it out. And we've got to learn to stop looking around for what God's doing with other people and say, God, what do you have for me? So the will of God is good, it's pleasing, and it's perfect. It's tailor-made. So how do we get there? Well, the word says here, you test and approve what's the will of God. So, I'll make it pretty simple. The first thing we do is we renew our mind. And renew our mind is not simply reading the word and worshiping. It's also being careful what we bring into our mind. There's so much garbage in this world. I mean, your phones are wonderful tools. I got a nice phone. But these phones are dangerous. And the laptops and the internet and all, everything else, there's so much garbage out there that's just a click or two away. And I'm not just talking about porn. I'm talking about just mindsets and ways of viewing the world and saying what's important. There's so much that comes against us. We have to be careful what we're bringing in to our hearts and our minds. It's one thing to grow in God, but it's also another thing to clean up the garbage that we bring in. So we want our minds to be transformed by the Lord. So we, have, we renew our minds, we listen up, we see what God is speaking to us, and then we test and approve. Say test and approve. See, what I mean by that is, how do we hear the word of God and know it's right? You ever heard God speak to you? You ever questioned whether it really was the Lord or not? I hope so. I hope you question. Because we need to, another word for question is to test 
and approve. We get a word, a download from the Lord, but the word says we see through a glass darkly. So the Lord speaks to me, but I realize I have to, in humility, say, I'm hearing from the Lord, but I'm not always right. I'm hearing from the Lord, but I'm looking through a glass darkly, and so I need to test and approve. Charlie this morning talked about how we do that for the church. If someone has a word from the Lord, we want to cover the church. We want to lead the church. And so we have an elder who will help process and say, okay, that may be of the Lord, but not for this Sunday. That may be of the Lord, but maybe it's more for you personally than for the congregation. And God's giving us elders to help process that for the church. You with me here? So we test and approve because we want to get it right. Hearing from God is a wonderful thing. You know, the Bible says that God spoke 1,900 times in the Bible. That's a lot of times. And God said, and God spoke, and God, 1,900 times. Folks, we serve a God who speaks. Amen? A God that wants to reveal himself to you. God speaks, but in this world, if you said, God spoke to me, they put you in the crazy house. He thinks he's hearing from God. They say, well, yes, I do. I believe that God speaks to us today and he wants to speak things to our lives. So we clean up our lives. We're walking with Christ and God speaks to you today. You're driving down the road in the car. You're taking a shower. God, how many of you God speaks to in the shower? I don't know, maybe you're just like clean. You're getting all clean and then God speaks to you. You're in the shower. You're having a breakfast. You're driving down the road. You're reading the word and God what does that mean, God speaks to you? Now, for me, I've never had an audible voice from the Lord. Some people have. Some people said they actually audibly heard the voice of the Lord. Praise the Lord. That'd be cool. It's not the way the Lord speaks to me. Normally, how God speaks a divine word to me is a thought comes into my mind. I want to make this really practical. A thought comes into my mind and somehow that thought seems to have a little extra weight than other thoughts. Like something drops in and I go, ooh. My spiritual ears say, I think the Lord spoke something to me here. A word drops in. Now sometimes if it's an easy word, if it's just something that doesn't have great consequences, just act on it. This week, I'll tell you an example, this week, I was talking to a man I didn't know. He's a missionary in the Dominican Republic, and he said he had these Cuban pastors coming over. They were going to go, they're going to be with him for a week. Now, I've been in Cuba. I know how incredibly poor their salary is probably less than 50 bucks a month. Cuba is a very, very poor nation. And he says, they're coming in here to do some shopping. Well, okay, I go, I go okay. Somehow they're flying from Cuba to the Dominican Republic, and they're doing shopping, and they have no money. I felt the Lord say, give him some money. Now, had the number been $10,000, I probably would have rebuked it in the name of Jesus. <laughs> I would have said, I don't have that money. That It wasn't. It was 50 bucks, actually. So I went, 50 bucks. How wrong can I go here, right? Godly men, they're coming shopping. They're poor. God calls me to care for the poor. So I said, thanks for doing this, blessing these pastors. Here's some money to help them do it. Big deal, right? But I felt the Lord... So when that came in my mind, I didn't just do it in the first three seconds. I went, Lord? It's like, yep. Uh, I got 50 bucks. 
So I kind of waited until he finished. I just kind of let it sit a little bit. And the more I thought about it, I thought, yep. So when he left, I handed, he said, here's a little something to help these guys shop. He said, praise the Lord. I'm sure it's all. Maybe it's no big deal. Maybe it transforms somebody's life. Maybe they can bless their family and they didn't know how. I don't know. I don't care. It was simple. But what happens when the Lord puts something really big on your heart, like change your job, move to the Republic of Georgia? What do you do with those kind of words? You come home and say, we're moving tomorrow across the world. I hope you don't. Because I'd say we need to test and approve the word of God. So the Bible says God speaks 1,900 times and 500 times it it commands us to listen. Or better, it uses the words hear. Hear the word of the Lord. So before, if we're going to be listening to God, we have to decide we want to hear. You want to hear? Are you sure? Are you what? And when I talk about hear, I don't just mean that your ears or even you can write it down and you receive that word. But the word hear is to, it implies to hear and to act upon. You ever said to your kid, you're not listening to me. Well, maybe the kid's hearing all the words you speak. You know, turn off the TV and the kid's, you're not listening. Oh, they're listening. They just have no desire to obey. And so when you say, you're not hearing me, you're not listening, what you're really saying is, you're not doing what I'm telling you to do. I had, years ago, I had a YWAM leader who was mad at me. Believe that or not, mad at me. And he, uh, he was really angry. And at one point, I was trying to figure out what he was angry about. And he says, you never listen to me. You never listen to me. Well, I had listened to him a lot. And I could write down everything he'd shouted at me before. But what he really meant was, you don't do what I'm telling you to do. He'd given me some advice, and I thought, not good advice. That's not going to work in this country. I'm, I'm not going to do that. And I didn't. And that made him mad, because I didn't do what he had told me to do. And his word was, you never listen to me. I think God could say that to us. I think there are times where God tells us what to do. We may hear it, but the hearing implies obedience. I just want to say, if we learned, it's a passion on my heart, if we learned, I, mean, I just look at this church and I go, if we became people that learned to hear the word of God, to test it and approve it and obey it regularly, <laughs> we'd transform the world. We'd see things happen that we've never dreamed of happening simply by being a people that hear the voice of God and put it into action. So I I say again, it's not always easy. In fact, I don't know that it's ever easy to fully to walk out the word of God to us. But I want to give you some steps. And the model that I have and in my life, my best model I have for that is a plane. I landed in San Domingo at midnight last Sunday. Almost midnight. It was dark. I wasn't in the cockpit, but I'm sure as they were landing, there were landing lights, right? 
So that's a pretty good model. You're, the plane's coming in, and as long as these lights down the middle are in line, the pilot's pretty sure, very sure, there's a runway underneath. If the pilot's coming in from this side and all the lines are going this way, he better pull up and say, oh, maybe it's cloudy and he's coming down all of a sudden he sees the lights are not in line. Time to pull up. Well, in the Lord, as we take, Lord, speak something to your heart. Be that plane that comes in and says, all right, what are the landing lights? I've got 10 landing lights for you. Just easy things, kind of a checklist to say, God, are these steps in line with the word? And so here's some of these landing lights for you today. First one I'd say is, did God speak audibly? Normally, not, but that's okay. Did God speak, put a word in your heart? Can you identify that word, not just an emotion? But can you say, you know, I feel like God spoke this to me. That that sense in your spirit. And then, good thing to do right away is say, is this in line with the word of God? I believe it's a safe thing to say that if it's not in line with the word of God, it's not the word of the Lord to you. I know of a man. I don't know him personally. But as the story goes, he was a military man, highly trained special forces He knew of a man that was being abusive towards young girls and in the direction of the Lord killed that man. I don't think he was directed by the Lord. He may have thought he heard from the Lord, but to me that doesn't go in line of what other options that God had. He wanted to protect people, but to go shoot a man... He's missing out. I remember a, a girl came to me. She wanted to divorce her Christian husband because she'd met a man more spiritual and God would want her to be married to a more spiritual man. The word of God doesn't hold that up. And I said, we, we got to relook this thing again. When we're making decisions, you ask the question, does this fit? Is it supported by God's word? Prophecy. Prophecy is a beautiful thing that we celebrate here in the church, but it will never take place from the Word of God. If it's a competition between some prophetic words spoken over you and the Word of God, stand on the Word of God. I've had prophetic words over me that I thought were more like curses. Somebody said, you know, Lord, saying you're going to have seven years of, of difficulty and dryness and hardship. It's a prophetic word over me. And I went... I rebuke that in Jesus' name. (laughs) I didn't quite do that at that moment. But I thought, that's not the Lord. He was a good guy, but I think he was just off at that moment. And I went, you know, I came to him and said, you know, I think you're, that does not ring true in my spirit. That's not, he said, you know, I probably was off there. Sorry about that, brother. And I said, well, okay, yeah, cool. Um, I'm glad it's me. I can roll with the punches, but you can mess, you got to be careful when you're speaking the word of the Lord over people, it did not fit with God's word and his blessing over my life. And praise the Lord, I haven't had those years, bless the Lord. Prophetic words. And, you know, I don't know if you know, but we, had the, we have people who are ministering in the psychic fair right now. This weekend, we have a team 
And they're out ministering in the psychic fair. And I think it's one of the coolest things we do as a church. We take people who know and love Jesus and are ministering in the prophetic. And we set up a booth that this church and you guys through Impact sponsor. And people, they said it's been full out. We have some people here who are ministering yesterday. And they just talk about how God is ministering to people who are open to things of the Spirit. Maybe they don't even know. And they're coming by the booth. And they're saying things like, you know, you guys are different. There's like a light here and a life here that's just different from these other places. And God's meeting them. We're taking the, the gifts of the Spirit and bringing them out to the streets and ministering the grace of God to people who so need Jesus. And I go, praise the Lord. Prophetic is wonderful and powerful. And when it confirms something in your heart, it's a great thing. But we look through the different steps. So prophecy, I would say, is number three. And, you know, prophecy often confirms something that God's done in your heart. After our prophetic weekend, one of our brothers here pulled me aside and said, what did you tell him about me before I got up front? I mean, how much information did you give him? I said, your name. And they went, well, how? And God just read the mail. And I think it's a beautiful thing when you realize that God knows you. He knows what's going on, and he's speaking to that through brothers and sisters, through the prophetic. That's another way we check these words. But what do we do with that impression when we say we hear from the Lord? Well, I think we take it to the Lord. The first thing to do probably is take it back to the Lord and say, Lord, is that of you? There's a great book out there by Lauren Cunningham called Is That Really You, God? I like the title. It just, my heart resounds to it. God speaks, and then you go, Is that really you, God? Especially if it's something that's of a bigger nature. God, is that really you? We take it back to him. And we ask the Lord, Lord, shed your light. And sometimes I've had words from the Lord. He says, is that really you? And the Lord's like, no, not really. That was just you. I go, oh, okay, thanks. You know, cool. You bring it back to God, and sometimes he just takes care of it right there. So those are the impressions of the Lord. Time. God's not in a hurry. When the Lord speaks something to your heart, it has a weight and a staying power. It's important that we let the word of God percolate. You had Mary receives the word, you're going to be the mother of the Savior of the world. How's that for a word? You're 14 years old, the angel appears. Now, she got an angel. I'll grant her that. But you get an angel that says you're going to be pregnant as a virgin and it's going to be the savior of the world. What did Mary do? Luke 2, 19, and Mary pondered these things in her heart. I think she just took them and went and just let them percolate. She received the word of the Lord and then she just let the Lord work these things. She pondered them. I'm sure she thought of them 24-7. She's thinking, oh, How can this be? I don't know, but she just let the word take root. If God has a word for you, he has a way of having it stay. A fleeting thought, probably something you ate. But the staying power of the word of God, it stays with you and you come back to it and it it, it comes to you again and you take a little while to let the word take 
weight or take root in your heart. Another is the confirming the word. I liked what Greg Miller, who taught us on the prophetic in these last two years, he said, God will often confirm his word through various sources. For him, he was at different church services, and different people would say, hey, you in the back. And the same word would come to him, and he started to realize God had a way of repeating himself to confirm important words for his life. My son Joshua was directing the YWAM work in Amsterdam. And God began to speak to them that it was time to come back to the States. And they said it was crazy just how many times God would speak through this person and they'd be over there and people who never met each other would say things, you know, you over there in the blue shirt. God's saying your time here in the mission field is coming to a close. And they're like, do I wear it on my forehead? How is this? But God would just continue, confirm to them that there was a new chapter in different words. And they said, you know, we just need to obey the Lord, Dad. I want to see people get out in the field, right? So the idea they're coming back, I'm thinking, you sure about that? And I want to encourage my son, but he said, you know, Dad, God is speaking to us. He's put it in our hearts. He's speaking through the word, and people are calling us out. We just need to obey God. And I go, hallelujah, yes, you do. You need to obey the leading in the direction of the Lord. You know, I was looking through the scripture, and David, King David was anointed by Samuel when he was probably about 12 years old, right? We all know that story. Samuel's looking for the new king and ends up with David calling him in from, the, from tending the sheep, and he anoints him as king over Israel. It's a young, probably a young teenager. One anointing. And then in 2 Samuel 2, the men of Judah, where something was going on, they anoint David as king over Judah. And then in 2 Samuel 5, David's anointed as king over all Israel. There's like three anointings of this guy, and it took place over 10, 12 more years. There was a whole period of time where David had the anointing. Imagine David getting anointed at 12 and walking into the palace and going, Hey, Saul, my turn now. It had probably been the last thing he ever said. But David had a word, but then he waited for the time, the timing of God. I just want to jump to that point for a minute, the timing. Say timing with me, timing. The timing is the area where we normally miss it, where God speaks something and we think, well, that's for this afternoon. Or maybe tonight if I really am patient. But God has words for us that sometimes are for a year from now or 10 years from now or 20 years. There's a scripture where there was a prophet who said to evil prophets that God was going to burn their bones on this altar. And it happened 300 years later. I'm going, if you told that guy, you know, that's going to happen, but 300 years from now, he'd go, are you crazy? Even that prophet probably thought it was going to happen like this week. And the word of God came true, but 300 years later. And I don't say that to discourage you. I just want to say the timing of God is huge. And if we miss that, we can do the right thing 
at the wrong time. And wow, we want to learn to do the right thing of God at the right time with the right heart and the right attitude. So how, no, another way we process this, we process these words with people in authority over us. Maybe that's your parents. Talk to your parents. Maybe that's a, a life group leader or a pastor or somebody who is shepherding and cares for your soul. Bring the word to them. You might say, oh, no, I can't. What if, they're, what if they don't agree? You trust the Lord through your leadership. Not that they're going to make final decisions, but they're instead, they're not want to con- good leaders don't want to control you. They want to cover you. They want to protect you and help you walk in the ways of God. So leadership has a place. I love the verse in Colossians 3.15 that says, let the peace of God rule in your heart. Say that with me. Let the peace of God rule in your heart. That rule is speaking as an umpire. Let the peace of God help you make decisions. And so if you've got a big decision, now you have to differentiate between emotions and the peace of God. But if you've got a big decision, you're thinking of doing something, you're praying about it, stop. You go to God and you say, Lord, do I have your peace to make this decision? And listen to that. You may say, I'm really scared, I'm really anxious, sure, but what about the peace of God? is that inner sense that says, this is scary, but this is the Lord. That peace of God. Let that peace of God rule or direct your heart. How about circumstances? Now, we as Christians love circumstances. We love to say, this thing happened, and that, therefore that. But, and I just want to say, amen, but be careful. So you want to go on a trip, you lack a thousand bucks, and somebody gives you a thousand bucks, does that mean you should go on the trip? Maybe. I don't know. Well, I mean, I needed a thousand, a thousand came, so therefore, maybe. It's nice, you can mark that down in your list of things that you're processing. How about this? Couple's dating, and she's wondering if she should marry the guy. If Joey calls me in the next five minutes, then I know it's him. And he doesn't call. Well, in the next 10 minutes then. And we, I go, or he calls. See, I knew it was God. I go, ooh. We take the circumstances to lead and guide us sometimes too much. And God will confirm things through circumstances. So it's in my list of running lights. But it's not the thing that you should use to find your direction in the Lord. Unity. This is my number nine. I don't know how many I've thrown out there this morning, but unity. Janet and I have been married 32 years, and I trust in our unity as part of God leading us. So a good example is us coming here to pastor this church. When I got the call, God spoke to my heart at that moment. The Holy Spirit put something in my heart that I could not ignore and did not put that same thing in my wife's heart. So what do you do? Do I say, submit, woman? (laughs) How many guys know that doesn't work very well? That's a really bad idea. 
I don't think it's ever worked in the history of the world. But I, and I just went, she's like, oh, that's really sweet of them. That's ah, just so nice. We're, we're missionaries. We're not going to do it. But that's just sweet of them. And I didn't know what to say. And when I don't speak, something's wrong. She's like, what is wrong with you? You look funny. I'm like, I don't know. And we wrestled for a year. We're always on the same page. We are on two pages. So what do you do with that as the leader of the home? You say, well, woman, God spoke to me. Get in line. Let's go. No, you don't. I trust the Holy Spirit in my wife. And I believe that God speaks through unity. And I believe she can hear as well as me. So in respect of her, what I said to Janet is, look, I think the Lord spoke to me. I could be wrong. I see through a glass darkly. And I trust the Holy Spirit in you. So listen, if God, he's fully able to speak to you. If God does not speak to you, we're not going. She said, well, heck, you're putting a lot of pressure on me here. And I said, it's called trust. I trust the Holy Spirit in you. She said, well, I don't want to get it wrong. I go, nor do I. I, it's a major step, leaving a nation, leaving a job, leaving all that we left. But we want to follow the direction of the Lord. And it took about a year when she finally came to the place where she went, this is the Lord. And then we could move forward with strength and with confidence. So the unity for us as a couple was it, it was tough. It was challenging to not be in agreement, but we felt like that's part of God's direction, that God would lead us together in unity. And then number 10, I just say, make a decision. Sometimes you get them all, and they're pretty close, and one's, I mean, it's, it's not a formula, right? It's not check, 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 rate them one through five. You know, it's, it's a relationship, and when we started to see the things line up, or whatever the decisions may be, it comes to a final point where the Lord says, sometimes you really get to make a decision in these matters. When you have the landing lights in order. And you might say to me, well, Kent, what if I get it wrong? What if I do all these things, but somehow I just miss it? I got good news for you today it may not matter all that much to the Lord. Now, that may sound like heresy. Let me explain. I don't think God is so concerned that you get all the details right, that you're in the right seat in this church. What if you're supposed to sit in that chair and you're in that chair? I think God doesn't care. Well, what if I was supposed to order this meal instead of that meal? I don't think God really cares. I believe that God leads and guides and directs us geographically, leads and guides and directs us occupationally. But more important than that is your relationship with God. And I can back that up pretty solidly with 1 Corinthians 13. If I speak with tongues of men and of angels, that's pretty good, right? You can speak, you're a great speaker and you speak with the tongues of angels, don't have love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, anybody here 
All mysteries, all knowledge, you got it figured out, right? You get to that level, but you don't have love. What's it say? And I have all faith to remove mountains, but have not love. I am nothing. Nothing. If I give away all I have, deliver my body to be burned, but have not love, I have nothing. So I want to put your heart at ease. We want to be people that hear the voice of the Lord and act on it. We want to be people that get it right most of the time. But the bottom line in this is loving God and doing it with the right heart. And when you're loving God and doing it with the right heart, God's going to bless. He's going to work with you. And if you're off, he'll tap you on the back. Hey, you kind of missed that one here. Back over this way. And you'll learn. It's like parents with kids. If they mess up a little bit, but their heart is right, we just, we work with it. We, we flow with us. My verse in closing is Micah 6, 8. We say, God, what's the plan? What's the direction? Micah 6, 8. He's shown you, oh man, what is good. He's kind of saying, hey, I've already shown you this. Listen up. Do justly, love mercy, walk humbly. Notice there's no geography here. There's no to-do list. He's speaking to the quality of our life, saying do justly, love mercy, walk humbly. When our heart is right before God and we're doing we're at our work, so you're at your workplace, and you're not sure you're in the right workplace. Do justly. Love mercy. Walk humbly. Be just and kind and fair with those around you. Show mercy to those in need. When that word came to me with the 50 bucks, give this guy 50 bucks, I go, well, God's a merciful God. He cares for the poor. I can't go too wrong here. I mean, what if I was wrong in helping that pastor out with 50 bucks? Is God going to be mad at me? Not a chance. Because I'm trying to obey the Lord. And God knows that we're weak. God knows that we don't hear clearly. But when our hearts are right before him, that 1 Corinthians, when you're loving God and you're working to serve him, then be free. Don't be frozen. I have watched far too many Christians. They're unsure of this detail of their life, and they just shut down. Because they don't, they're so concerned about being off on a detail that they freeze. Don't freeze. Be one of those people that love God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. Listen to him the best you can. Let God speak words to your heart. Run it through a list of, is this a, according to the word of God? Give some time to it. What are my leadership saying? If you're in a, fam, a marriage is there unity in the marriage? And you kind of run through the list. You pray some more, and then you go for it. And if you mess up, praise the Lord. At least you're going for it. You're stepping out there. And, folks, we can change the world if we learn to listen to the voice of the Lord. And then the question really isn't so great, is this the direction? Someone asked me, well, I don't know what country to serve in. I want to be a missionary, but should I serve here or in Haiti or in Africa? I don't know. I mean, they're asking me. I'm not going to tell them. I said, well, let's talk through how we hear the voice of God. But if they're doing this with a heart to serve Jesus, God's going to use them. God's going to move through their lives as you have a heart to hear God speak 
to us today and then walk it out in wisdom as we test and approve the word that God speaks to us. Worship team, come on up. Let's pray. Jesus, we want our lives to be glorifying to you. And sometimes our spiritual ears need a bit of cleaning out, God. We want to be those that hear from you and obey. Help us, Lord, to learn to approve and to test the words you give us. Help us to be those that not only test and approve, but then have that heart that say, Lord, you speak, and I'm going for it. I'm going to obey you, Lord. And thank you, Lord Jesus, that more than anything, what you want is that heart that's ready and desirous to walk in your ways. God, I pray that we as a church would grow in this, as a spirit-filled church, as a church that is led by your spirit, that, God, we'd be led by your spirit. That, Father, we would throw away the fear that stops us and so afraid of making a mistake. And that, God, we would be those that day by day are led by your spirit, that you're, you'd look down and you say, these are people that want to obey me. These are people that want to walk in my paths. And that, God, you would be just free and desirous to give us words knowing that we would be a people who would obey you, Lord. I bless this church today, Lord. Pray that your hand would be upon them and that they be people who would be hearing the word of the Lord and walking in your will. In Jesus' name, amen.